Hey, good morning. Thanks so much for watching live or watching on demand. Well, we're going to wrap up our series, Good Culture, today. Next week is something special. We're going to be doing what's called family experience. So whether you're 2 or 92, it's definitely a Sunday for you. But we'll be back here 1030 next Sunday. Something that we do every year to kick off is talk culture and not necessarily the political culture of our time, but specifically the culture at Southridge. And our church is unique because our culture is unique. Our church is unique. Our people in our church are unique. And it's not better, it's just different than other churches. Now, our, by definition, we say that culture is the mission, vision, and values of an organization. So your mission is the foundation, and we take that from Jesus, who in Matthew 28 said, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. And so we say it this way, to inspire people to follow Jesus. That's the foundation. On top of the foundation is our vision. Um, and the way that we define it is this. It's creating spaces for people to be inspired to follow Jesus every day of the week. And so that's why we're really looking for that 24-7 facility. On top of our vision are values. And our values are going to be different than other churches. In this series, what we're doing is we're looking at four values that makes our church distinct from other churches. So the first week, we actually talked about the gospel. We explained it. Uh, there's a lot of confusion about it, and we did our best to explain it. The second week, we looked at this value of made for Sunday, saved for Sunday. Made for Monday, saved for Sunday. And we saw that it's really important for us to value work and value serving. Last week, we talked through why we value trust over suspicion. And this week in America has been a really good opportunity to put this to, into practice with the latest transfer of power. Perhaps we truly trust God instead of being overwhelmed with suspicion. Well, today we'll continue with found people, find people. Found people, find people. I heard that statement about 10 years ago, and it made an impact. It just stuck with me. Found people, find people. Found people, find people. Now, we usually have an easy time talking to each other about something we enjoy or maybe someone we find enjoyable. I know maybe for you, maybe it's sports. I know for me, I love talking about sports. Uh, growing up, a lot of it had to be uh, how I grew up. I grew up as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so I love talking Pittsburgh sports. I'm also a, a coach. I'm part of a local football coaching staff, and I love talking about offensive plays that just something I can start talking about. But maybe for you, it's fishing or hunting or working on cars or building things or maybe shopping. I know for some of you, you guys are foodies. You love trying new restaurants, trying new recipes. Um, my friend Chris, who's behind this camera, he got me into smoking meat, and uh, <laughs> it's been amazing. So there's maybe a movie or a TV show that you can't wait to tell someone about because You've enjoyed it, you liked it, you thought it could be helpful to someone. And then I know some of you are brand new parents or brand new grandparents, and you're excited and you take all these pictures of your first baby or first grandbaby, wait till the second one comes around, they usually get no pictures of that second, third, or fourth baby. Or maybe you're dating for the first time in a while, or you're married and newly married, and you're just super excited to be with that person. Now, 
wouldn't it be great if we had the same ease with sharing our faith? Maybe inviting people to church. Now, here are a few things that I believe keep us from doing that. One is fear. We are afraid of what others may think of us. We don't want to be rejected by people. We especially don't want to be rejected by family or friends. We don't want to come off as weak or incompetent because we have faith. We've heard that faith is a crutch for the weak. Or maybe you don't know how. You were never taught how to talk about faith or talk about a relationship with Jesus or talk about the gospel. Maybe for you, you've never seen it effectively applied. Maybe in your mind, you're thinking of that street preacher. Well, one of my favorite TV shows is Monk. And this is an older show, an episode where Mr. Monk is in Manhattan. He's lost in the city and he has his huge brain fog because of how noisy and how dirty the city is. It's actually one of the funniest episodes. And he meets a street preacher who is preaching about a future cleansing. And being OCD, he is bought in. And he's preaching with the street preacher, passing out literature about the cleansing. It is actually one of the funnier episodes of Monk. But maybe for you, this is quite the opposite. Maybe you're not excited about your relationship with Jesus. You feel pretty stale. Or maybe you don't understand why we should share our faith or talk about our faith. I know some, you're in a place where you're not able to share because of workplace policy. I know others that they are, you are deathly afraid that they're going to ask you a question you don't know the answer to. I even heard some of my friends say, well, I just don't have that personality or I'm not a pastor. I also know that some of you may be overwhelmed. And honestly, by mission, I'm tempted not to. I'm actually really embarrassed to say that. See, we'll see that found people find people is actually throughout the scriptures. And it really comes down for you and I talking to each other about something that you enjoy or someone you find enjoyable. <laughs> and in this case, it's a relationship with Jesus. So we actually pull this whole statement of found people, find people, this value of found people, find people from a true story in the New Testament. Now to set the scene, Jesus just went public with his ministry by being baptized by his cousin John, which many people know him as John the Baptist. Now during his baptism, John makes it public that Jesus is the promised Messiah who Israel has been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years. And he would be that perfect king. This Messiah would be the perfect king. It was a big moment in history. Now notice what happens next. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this. And they followed Jesus. The phrase, Lamb of God, is a reference to the Old Testament. See, God had his people sacrifice a lamb once a year to have their sins forgiven for that year. And something they would have to keep doing. But he promised them that he would provide a sacrifice that would forgive their sins forever. So, they looked, <laughs> they looked to that day where God himself would provide that sacrifice. But here's the curveball. 
it happened to be God himself as the sacrifice, as the Messiah. Now, there's nothing to suggest that John wanted or expected his disciples to leave him for Jesus. But here's the cool thing about John. He was cool with it. He was good with it. If anything, it reveals that John the Baptist was a humble man. How many, how many of us would struggle with someone leaving us for someone else? I know I would. I still have flashbacks from kindergarten and kickball. <laughs> we'll go back to the story. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he <laughs> asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we are, where are you staying? He replied, so they went and saw where he was staying. Now notice this. And they stayed with him that day, and it was about four in the afternoon. Now that's so important. By using the title Rabbi, Andrew and John were serious about following Jesus. It was a term of respect. <laughs> and they didn't necessarily, um, like they weren't, they were, they were being respectful because they wanted to learn from him. Even though Jesus had no official training, they wanted. Now, have you ever been around someone and you just didn't want to leave? Maybe it was because they had the it factor or maybe they had a personality that just drew you in or maybe you just like that person. Well, when John is referring that they stayed until 4 p.m., what he's revealing is he and Andrew, they couldn't get enough of Jesus. There was something special about Jesus. There was something special maybe about the way that he carried himself or the way that he communicated now notice andrew simon peter's brother was one of the two who heard john had said and had followed jesus the first thing andrew said to his brother simon we have found the messiah the christ which is translated the christ and he brought simon to jesus now, the, the title Christ has a long history. The title means anointed one. And what it does is it's a, it's a word picture of in the Old Testament when God would appoint men to be kings. And a sign of that is a prophet or a priest would pour the olive oil on them. And that was a sign that God was giving that person the authority to lead his people. God promised that there would be a future king who would rule forever and make past wrongs right this pointed to the day when the true anointed one would come with god's spirit and speak and act on god's behalf it's pretty neat all right let's get back to the story when jesus saw him he said you are simon son of john you will be called cephas which is translated peter Andrew not only went to find his brother, but he also brought him to meet Jesus. That's really important. That's going to be one of our takeaways. Let's get back to it. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip, notice this, and told him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one. We have found the one Moses wrote about and the prophets too. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now notice, can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathaniel asked him. Notice what Philip says. Come and see. 
Now, Nazareth was a small town, probably no more than a couple thousand people, but it had a really negative reputation. It had a dishonest reputation. Before we finish the story, let's call a timeout. This is a great, true story of found people finding people. And it leaves us with a few takeaways. So the first takeaway is, did you notice that Jesus found Philip and Philip went to find Nathaniel? Second takeaway, as Jesus pursues people, he uses found people as his partners. He uses you and I. Now, in the story, we know that Jesus is God. Now, God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and he's sovereign. So Jesus uses that to his benefit. He purposely went to Galilee to find Philip. And not only that, but Jesus was pursuing Philip from the very beginning. Another takeaway. Philip, who was pursued and was found, was intentional about finding Nathaniel. There was a relationship between the two. Even before Philip went to go find Nathaniel, there was a relationship. He knew to go find him. Philip had Nathaniel in his mind, on his mind. Maybe they shared in the same interest. I mean, they were both religious men who maybe were looking forward to the Messiah. All we know is that he pursued Nathaniel. He knew that he could benefit from knowing the Messiah. Another takeaway there is a difference between inviting people. And bringing people with you. Like even in a COVID world, there's a difference with sending someone a link versus finding a time to watch together. Like I can't wait to get back to meeting again. And as we begin planning and figuring out what that looks like, as we begin in person in March, twice a month, there's a difference between sending someone a text or a Facebook message with the location of the school Versus coming up with a plan to meet and walk up to the field together and then maybe doing lunch afterwards. The last takeaway. Found people find people. It's our responsibility and it's our privilege. Quite honestly, it's an obligation. So we do this by establishing a relationship by doing two things. One, engage in spiritual conversation and be yourself. Dig inside to find the things that you love and that other person likes. What do you guys have in common? And then connect connect together from that place. Quite honestly, too many Christians talk too much. And quite honestly, listening is a huge part of having a healthy conversation. Just listen. Hear their story. It's okay if it takes time to get to Jesus. I mean, some of us are like, turn or burn. <laughs> Just put the brakes on. It's okay if it takes time to get to Jesus. Hopefully they understand the gospel and not pressured into receiving something. And hopefully, if anything, being yourself and taking your time and getting to know that person and then sharing the gospel hopefully alleviates any fear that you might have. Maybe this might help. Ask yourself these two questions. Why am I a Christian? And why did I decide to follow Jesus? Rekindling your love for Jesus will go a long way with wanting to be a found person finding people. Second thing we can do to establish that relationship is bring them with you to a gathering or group. Okay, back to the story. 
we're going to wrap up. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked, before Philip called you? When you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus responded, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Don't miss this. It may be that you know a little about Jesus when you first meet him, but he knows all about you. He knows your past. He knows who you are, and he knows your future, and he still decides to pursue you. That's big. Look, I'm a product of found people, find people. My grandparents brought me to their church, and eventually my grandfather helped walk me through starting a relationship with Jesus. I won't forget it. It was a July night at 131 Shady Creek Lane. I'll never forget it. Because we meet people, neighbors, coworkers, teammates. We are looking for the three knots. N-O-T-S, three knots. First, not prepared. As you're having conversations, you're looking for people who aren't prepared. Maybe they're, <laughs> they're parents for the first time and kids are entering the picture. Or maybe it's a step family getting kids together. They're not prepared for it. Or maybe a new career they're starting. Or maybe they're newly married and trying to figure out this game. Or maybe they're moving. Or they moved. They just weren't prepared for it. Second thing. Maybe things in their life, they're not going well. Financially. It's not going well for them. They're in well over their head. Or or maybe they're going through a separation or they're going through the painful process of a divorce. Or maybe if they're dealing with teenagers who, I guess when you hit 12, you you sort of know everything and they're kind of dealing with that. Or maybe it's their job that's not going well. And then the third thing you're looking for, they're not in church. And it could be with one of a few, you know, one of few reasons. One, they had a bad experience. Maybe another one is they moved. And then a, a final thing is maybe they've never been to church before. So those are the three knots. When you're having conversations, you're thinking about those three things. Here's the deal. And this is a secret most people won't tell you. Most people will need the church at some point in their life. Someone's going to die. Someone's going to get married. They're going to want a place for their kids, especially Sunday afternoon when they can go do their own thing. They drop their kids off for child care. That does happen. Guys, when we first started our church, our first year, 70% of people hadn't been in church in more than five years or if they ever been to church. Guys, that's our heartbeat while we start our church, and we want to continue that. That is a value. Found people, find people is a value that we have as our church. We want people who are far from God. We want people who may not have it all together because we want them to meet Jesus. We are passionate about Jesus because Jesus changes everything. So this week, as you're having conversations with people, think about those three knots. Think about people who, things right now, they're not prepared for something, Things are not going well, or they're not in church. Guys, hopefully this series has helped you recenter on our values at Southridge.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, remind us that we are obligated to share the gospel. We are, able, we are obligated to share our story. We are obligated to do that. Now, it's a privilege and it's a responsibility. So help us not to shy away from that and help us to approach it in faith and not fear. Help us to be able to have the boldness to, to share our story and how you've changed us. Help us not to be preachy. Help us not to know everything, but help us to be humble. Help us to approach each conversation with humility. Help us to be a listener. Help us to be bold and not shy away that Jesus changes everything. In Jesus' name, amen.